whether you've tried five diets or 50,000 diets in your lifetime, you've really only tried different versions of one diet telling you what you're allowed or not allowed to eat. Welcome to the Rebel Health Coach Podcast with Tom Underwood. Armed with truth and knowledge, your journey to a healthy lifestyle can be obtained. Preventative wellness, quality nourishment, and daily fitness routines dramatically improve your outlook on life as a whole. And you'll find the support and info you need to accomplish a healthier lifestyle here. Together, we can empower each other along our journey to an amazing you. Well, 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 welcome to episode number 151 with Rachel Freeman. And and it is the end of October and we're headed into the holiday season where binge eating and eating garbage food is quite the hobby, sadly. But this is why I interviewed Rachel today. Because you can control what goes in your mouth. And with her book, Mind Strong, The Truth About Health, Fitness, and the Bullshit That's Holding You Back is a good book. And it talks about mindful eating and working your way through talking yourself out of things. It's a great book. I highly suggest you grab a copy. And I highly suggest you listen to this episode before we get into the month of November and December when there are many opportunities to eat garbage. Rachel is the CEO of MindStrong Fitness. She is a lover of donuts and the author of the best-selling book, Becoming MindStrong. The truth about health, fitness, and the bullshit that's holding you back. She has more than 15 years of classroom instruction and certifications in personal training, sports nutrition, and behavior modification. Rachel developed MindStrong Fitness with an inside-out approach to focus on physical and mental attributes in building healthy, sustainable habits. This is a great episode, and I hope you enjoy it. Please take a minute and rate and review my show. I'd appreciate it. And welcome November. Two more months till 2023. Rachel Fryman, welcome to the Rebel Health Coach Podcast today. How are you this afternoon? Oh, I'm great. I'm excited for this conversation ahead. Yeah, me too. I was, you know, like I said before we started here, uh, that, you know, I've, I've, when I first started out podcasting almost six years ago, uh, I did a lot of coaches and, you know, gym people and diet people. And then I started, I faded away from it, got to doctors and, and some other stuff. But when I read your people sent me a copy of your book and I started reading it, I'm like, okay, I got to give, she's got some very valid points and the book is very entertaining. Thank you. And it's probably one of the better diet books I've read. And it's really even not a diet book because you dive into mindset more than most diet books. Absolutely. Yeah. I, when people ask me to describe the book, it's 75% mindset, 25% nutrition. And as you know from reading it, everything we do is designed to get people away from diet culture. It's really about teaching a sustainable lifestyle as opposed to going on yet another diet that's never going to last. Right. And plus, I loved your story because I, too, was a fat kid. And the only way I changed my path was to change my mindset and start thinking differently. And so we're going to get into that. But before we dive into this topic of your book, Mind Strong, the truth about health, fitness, and the bullshit that's holding you back, which I love the title, because <laughs> you're a little bit of a rebel too. That's the other reason <laughs> I want. It's true. <laughs> I want. That's the other reason I said I got to have her on, because you have a little bit of rebel in you all throughout the book, which is quite entertaining. But who is Rachel Fryman, and what was your catalyst into this health and wellness realm? And I, we all, I think that all of us, even doctors included, have a this pain to purpose involved that drove us to where we are. Yeah. What was your pain to purpose into this realm of health and wellness? 
I have to tell you, I love that statement, pain to purpose. And I'm definitely going to steal that and use that okay. from now on. Because I it stole is that a- from Dr. Papa. <laughs> I love it. Like I always tell people, I think the thing we struggle with the most becomes the thing we're most passionate about teaching. And that's what it is. It's pain to purpose. Um, for me, it was, you know, I got into health and fitness and working out and nutrition just as a release. I was a middle school teacher teaching uh, middle school music. and I loved it. But if you've ever been a teacher, worked around kids, you know, it is a very stressful job. You're underpaid, overworked, a lot of taking deep breaths, trying to show up as your best self, you know, despite 30 preteens in the room. And I started going to the gym just as a release. I had no idea what I was doing. I was a hot mess. I was injured all the time because I had no idea what I was doing. And I found it to be a really frustrating situation because I didn't understand the nutrition piece. So I would work my ass off in the gym and I wasn't seeing any kind of results. So then I would Google like, you know, what am I supposed to be doing with my nutrition? And you Google fat loss and you get 5,000 answers of high carb, low carb, high fat level. And the more I learned, the more the teacher in me was just flat out appalled by how much BS is in this market. Because when you really cut through, you learn nutrition is a skill, right? You can learn to surf, you can learn to knit, you can learn nutrition as a skill. But big companies aren't teaching it that way because once you know, you don't need them anymore. So it was this interesting path where I just got into it for fun. I just kind of learned and grew. And it hit a breaking point where I was like, the teacher and me cannot let this go. I, I can't let my friends, my family, people I care about continue to shovel money at point systems and shake systems and all this BS when I know the capital T truth behind it. So I started a company just as a little side gig while I was still teaching 12-hour days and started helping some women learn the skill of nutrition and get comfortable in the gym. And it just it took off because it is cutting through the BS in the industry. Um, and it's gotten to a place where now MindStrong Fitness is a, a well-established company with a whole team of coaches. And we, we get to change lives every single day. It's, it's incredible. I, I agree with that too, is because I love seeing people's lives change and they get and just the, the way they walk everything changes yes their mental attitude changes the way they walk the way they talk the way they stand yeah. you know everything it's just the whole demeanor changes when you when they get this confidence back that they lost yeah one one of my favorite stories in the book was early on before mind strong was even a twinkle in my eye I would just have some teacher friends be like, I wish I could do what you're doing, but I don't know what to do. And I'd be like, hey, I'm going to the gym anyway after work. Just come with me. And the feedback from them was a huge catalyst for why I started this company because they would say things like, I'm showing up as a better teacher. I didn't cringe when my husband touched me after work today and fear that he'd feel a role. And the reality is they'd only done a few workouts, right? They hadn't, nothing had changed externally. But their confidence, their energy, their posture, as you said, all of that starts skyrocketing. And it just, it shows up in, in your energy in the world. And to me, like, cool, muscles are fun. Weight loss is fun. But your energy is the single most important thing you have. And that's the first thing that starts changing. And I think, to your point, that once you get that rolling and you have that feeling, like, even on days when I don't want to go to the gym. Mm-hmm. I go and I feel so much better for going. Yeah. And and I think that's, you know, it's it's that it's that thing that inside of you. It's just like like today, I don't feel like going, but I booked from 5:30 class because I I I just gotta go. And it was between going to the gym and going paddleboarding, which was a, a huge top, which is a huge toss-up, but I decided to do the the workout and I might go hit the paddleboard after the workout just till sunset. But anyway, how did the book MindStrong come about? Oh, I love that question. I don't get asked that question very often. I like it. it you know, it was one of those things. Um, my my company is purely online. We do a 12-week coaching virtual program for women. And one of the coolest things about having an online business is we have literally had clients in New York and Saudi Arabia and London and Australia all at the same time. And when you get to help women all over the world like that, one of the really fascinating things to see is the common threads. We're living in totally different cultures, totally different parts of the world. But the belief system that 
all humans, but especially because we work primarily with women, when they're walking around saying things like, I lack willpower. Why can I never stick with this? Something must be wrong with me. I'm destined to be overweight. When you start hearing these themes come up, it's it almost normalizes it, right? When we can put all those women in a room and say, listen, it is not just you that feels that way. And as much as I'm a fan of radical personal responsibility, it's not your fault. Point system, shake systems, diets, they're not designed to last. You're fighting against your human nature that willpower is an exhaustible resource. And what started to happen is just, I was having the same conversations day in, day out with women all over the world. And I started to identify these common belief systems, these common themes that were coming up. So it became this thing where it was like, well, how can I reach thousands and thousands and thousands of women all at the same time and just normalize this, show them that it's not their fault. It hasn't last, show them how to do this in a way that's sustainable. And a book just seemed like the the most accessible way to do that for many people. And it's well written. Thank you. I mean, Thank I, you. I poured I've my read, heart and soul in that. <laughs> I've got, if you, I wish I could turn my camera, but I've got three books or shelves full of books on health and wellness and diets. And of all of them, this one, and I really wasn't thinking about it because I've read so many. It's like, okay, it's just another diet book, but it's not just another diet book. This is capped all the way through. Every chapter, I even learned something new. And I've been doing this for a long time, but I, it was like, man, this is great. You know, like it was amazing. And, and so I, I, I highly recommend going and, and getting this copy of this book. And I'll put the links in the show notes. Uh, but really, it's a good book and it's really worth the investment. And that's what the way you have to think of it is an investment to yourself. That that's this, even the cost of the book is an investment, just like the membership to the gym and the food you buy it at the grocery store is an investment in yourself. Absolutely. So uh, I have to admit, because, and I signed up for this because I went to your website, but I was really intrigued by the title. So I really had to lose weight while still eating donuts, how to never diet again. <laughs> what a fantastic title. Thank you. It's, it's, a, it's a fun title that often gets misinterpreted. <laughs> Because you can't just eat donuts and lose weight. Exactly. And this is, you know, we, we talk about this a bit in the book. As a former middle school teacher, you know, middle schoolers are notorious for the what if questions, right? Like, well, what if all I did was eat donuts? And when you understand nutrition as it's taught in the book, you know, weight loss does come down to calories in versus calories out. So the question gets posed in theory, if I ate nothing but donuts, could I hit my weight loss goal? And, you know, when I joke around with people with this, the answer is like, in theory, yes. In practicality, you would be dead because <laughs> there's a difference between calories and then also making sure we get the vitamins and minerals that are body. But the point behind it is, you know, I referenced before, diet culture is not meant to be sustainable. When you understand a bit of human psychology, we are designed to be pleasure-seeking creatures. We are designed to avoid any kind of pain, including discomfort. So when we go on these shake systems, these point systems, these frozen meals, low carbs, we're putting ourselves in a state of discomfort. We're, I call putting your horse blinders on saying, I can't, I can't, I can't. And at some point, human nature states, you're going to cave. And we don't just cave, we binge, right? So when I say lose weight while still eating donuts, it doesn't mean that you're on the donut diet, right? And all you're eating is donuts. But if you're someone like me, I love donuts, I love whiskey. Like I don't want to live a life that doesn't include the two now and then. So I can still fit them into my how I eat, which when I say diet, I mean how I eat in a day. I can do it once in a while and still hit my weight loss goal. It's not this all in, all out, can, can't, approve, not approve. Food is the message behind it. Right. And I, we're going to dive into diets in a little bit, but I really, because to your point, <laughs> there's so many different, crazy, methodical goofy ass diets on the market and it does get overwhelming and confusing so but i want to talk about mindset before we go there because this is pretty much i'd say three quarters of the book is about mindset and there's a reason for that is because that's what the key to anything is in life but but for sustainable weight loss it's a mindset it is. And I, I think, you know, people hear the word mindset, especially in the fitness world, 
And it just gets this bad reputation of like, you know, Instagram reels of like, think positively and rainbows and glitter and unicorn. Um, as you know, from the book, I'm a, I'm a huge neuroscience nerd. So when I'm talking about mindset, I'm talking about literally how your brain is wired. Because what's happening under the surface, if we were to dig into our brains a bit, is that every single time we think a new thought or take a new action, we're forming a neural connection. And for most of us, the majority of those neural connections were formed when we were kids. And we've now spent decades, decades, decades coding those neural connections with the stuff called myelin. It acts like cement and it wires in our belief system. So I say all that to say, if you're 40, 50, 60 years old right now, and you have been having thoughts for 30 years that I'm just the big one in my family, nothing's going to work for me, I'm destined to be overweight, those things feel like capital T truth because you've wired your brain that way to believe that stuff. And it is a fact of human nature that the internal and the external, they have to match. We can't live in a world where what we believe doesn't match what we're seeing in front of us. So if we're doing all this work to lose weight, to get healthy, to get control of our nutrition, but our inner monologue is still telling us, this is never going to last. Who are you kidding? It's going to be another thing you try and fail. You're absolutely going to self-sabotage. It's just a fact of how humans are designed. So when we talk about mindset, it's not like standing in front of the mirror, repeating mantras and beating our chests. It's about literally red flagging the belief systems that no longer serve us and consciously rewiring our brain so that the external matches this new internal. Yep, I agree. I agree 100%. I love, I'm, I got the book in front of me, so we're going to dig in here a little bit. The first part I really loved was about the ventriloquism. <laughs> I mean, and I had a laugh too, because when I was young, I wanted a ventriloquism doll for Christmas. Or what do you call it? I don't even know what you call the doll Yeah, anymore. the ventriloquist doll. Yeah, yeah I, I wanted a doll for Christmas. And so I got one. It's not easy. It's not. <laughs> it's not. It's not like watching. Well, back when I was growing up, it was Ed Sullivan. So I'm dating myself a little bit. But so watching the show and watching some guy really nail it, and then you try it, it's like it doesn't work that way. No, no, it looks so, way easier than it actually is in practice. But I love the way you tie this into mindset. So let's go there for a little bit and explain to me what you learned from this and why it's in why I even got in the book. Yeah. So there's a there's a funny story in the book as you're referencing about when I was in, I think it was fourth grade or so, um, our school gave us a project. You can pick any new skill you want to learn and learn it. And you're going to present it at this fair. To this day, gun to my head, I have no idea where I got ventriloquism from, but I, I begged my parents to spend 500 bucks, which back in the day, like 500 bucks was a lot more money than it is now, to buy me this ventriloquist doll and swore up and down I would learn how to do it. And what wound up happening is the day of the fair got there and I was put on the spot, like it's time to do your ventriloquism act. And what had happened in the weeks leading up is I had read books on ventriloquism. I had studied tapes on ventriloquism. I had never actually practiced doing ventriloquism. So it goes without saying that I just completely bombed in that moment. And the reason I share that story in the book, besides the fact that it's it's pretty funny in retrospect, is so much when it comes to workouts, especially, this is true of nutrition as well, but workouts, especially, this is all new skills. You know, a lot of women, especially, are not comfortable in the gym. We have we have misbeliefs about getting bulky and what it means to lift weights and being intimidated and, and whatever our limiting beliefs around that are. So we get into what I call paralysis by analysis, where you know we we make lists and lists of exercises and we find videos and we believe we have to know it inside and out before we actually start. So we don't actually just start. And in retrospect, the takeaway from that chapter is you're going to be a hot mess when you start anyway, right? This is true if you're learning to knit. It's true if you're learning to surf. It's true if you're learning to get in shape. You're going to be a hot mess. So part of this is just embracing the suck, right? Getting used to living in that gray and saying, I don't need to know everything. My human nature states that I'm a pleasure-seeking creature. So as I get better at this, I'm not just going to stay stagnant. I'm going to say, oh, this feels good. What else can I do? What else can I do? But we don't get there by making binders and binders and studying and getting 100% ready. We get there by jumping in, embracing the mess, and just organically letting the process happen. Exactly. And some, we spe- 
when you're first starting out, you spend more time investigating or than you do actually doing it. And it's also like, okay, what's holding me back from just jumping in? So I love that. I love that that the paralysis by analysis part because uh, I mean we all do that. And some of us, especially myself, because I'm a little bit OCD, we do more of it than we need to, and when we could just go do it. And it's not that difficult, really. I mean, yeah, it's a little bit awkward to walk into a gym not knowing what you're doing, but start, just start. No. Yeah. So and it really does become a bigger life skill because once once you start doing it and you you have proof for your brain that like, hey, I used to suck at this, now I'm pretty good, you can start taking that approach to anything in life. Right. When I started an online business, I knew nothing about the online world. But I could think back on, wait a second, you knew nothing about the gym back when you started and you embraced the mess and you naturally asked questions and got better. So it's going to be the same thing here. Our brain's just looking for proof that it will get better. And this is the perfect area to jump in and start proving that to yourself. Right. And I think that's where, like, I think when I first started back at the gym, I mean, I, I, I yo-yoed all my life. Fat kid, skinny kid, fat kid, skinny kid, fat kid, skinny kid. Now I'm, you know, now I'm a fat old or a skinny old man. So like it, the kid's gone, but the, I'm, you know, the weight's still gone. And it, I've kept it off for, well, I don't know, 2007, well over 14 years because I changed. I changed my mindset. And that's what the key is. So I, in, I loved a quote in chapter three about mindset. And uh, we are attempting to start a new life that our old self isn't ready for. And, and that's that. That's where all this comes in because we, for those of us that never, or at that point in our lives, especially I'm sure more so with females, I think as a guy thing, the gym happens to go with the guy thing, I think more than it does the female thing. And, but now there's classes. And I think that's what I started with. I was like, all right, I started on a treadmill. Treadmill was boring as F. (laughs) Yes. And I'm like, okay, I, and I read it here too. I'm not a runner. I'm never going to be a runner. Go ahead and knock yourself out, but I'm not going to go out and sign up for 5Ks every Saturday. It's just yeah. not going to happen in my, in this lifetime or in any lifetime. I just, it, I have, it doesn't appeal to me at all. So if it appeals to you, great. But it, I, to me, it's torture. Yeah. Team Cardi, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd rather tie yeah, no, I, <laughs> and no, it's just, it's just not fun. Matter of fact, I hate running, you know, to the point where it's, it's sad. I'm not a runner. I'm never going to be a runner. I wasn't built for it. Anyway, let's talk about the four c- common roadblocks that you feel are the necessary to move forward. Yeah, I think, I mean, if, if of the four that I point out in the book, there's one that is hands down the biggest stumbling block for, for almost everyone. This is, again, when I talk about having women from all over the globe coming to us and we see these common themes, the single, common, the single biggest theme that, that is the stumbling block for people, especially when it comes to weight loss, is being in this all-in, all-out mindset. And Again, this is one of those topics where it's not about not taking responsibility, but we also have to look at how this industry is set up, right? Diet culture says you're on your diet or you're off. You're eating clean six days a week or you've messed up and you'll start again next Monday. You're going to the gym five days a week or you missed a workout, so now the whole program shot to hell. And you are literally setting yourself up for failure because I don't care who you like Arnold Schwarzenegger has a fitness competition named after him. He is not perfect. The key to doing this as a lifestyle, if you want to truly hit your goals and stick with it is embracing that it is never going to be perfect. So when you have days where you, you have your plan set out for your nutrition, you know what to do. And then someone brings a box of donuts into the workroom and you eat more than you expected. Cool. Enjoy it. Maybe take a couple of minutes to reflect back on the choice you made and whether you would make it again. And then you get right back on. It's not right. about next Monday. It's not about next month. Like I made that choice. 
I did it. I embrace it. Now right back to the plan. And when we can start to get out of this all in, all out, I'm doing it perfectly. I'm not. And just accept like you're in. You you decided to do this journey. You are in. And you're going to crush it some days and you're going to suck other days. That is the biggest mindset shift when people can start to give themselves grace and actually stick with this once and for all. Yeah, I agree. I love that quote, stop fucking stopping. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because it's true. Stop fucking stopping. Stay, you know, yep, you're going to suck this day or you're not going to have the energy. Just go do it to get it out of the way. I guarantee you, when you leave, you're going to feel a hell of a lot better than you did when you went. Yeah. Just because of the endorphins it releases. Yeah. You know? yep. There's no such thing as, as all in, all out. If you decide you want to make a lifestyle change, you just decided you're in and you'll have great days. You'll have terrible days. But when you stop fucking stopping and stop saying, I'll start next Monday, I'll say, like, right. cool, right back right. to it. This is my lifestyle. It's the biggest change you can make. And then I love, there's, there's all kinds of good quotes in here, but <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and I, when I read it, I had, I just take a swig of water and I was reading along and I'm like, and I, I'm going to quote it. Motivation is fleeing. It's like a tender date, fun when it shows up, but typically unreliable and likely to leave you disappointed in the long run. I just That's like my favorite of the book. <laughs> I just spewed water all over my screens. I'm like, I had to go get it. Cause it's just, I was sitting here at my desk. Like I usually do when I'm prepping, I have, you know, you're, Website on one screen, my my uh, prep sheet on one screen, and then your other things on this screen. Uh, actually, I had your uh, diet book about the donuts on this screen, the freebie. Yeah. And uh, I just spewed water all over both, all three <laughs> screens. I'm like, oh my God. Amazing. But that's amazing. Where did that come from? You know, I don't know. And the ironic thing is I wrote, you know, the book's been around for a few years now. Um, I actually met my fiance on Tinder years after writing that. So it's kind of like an ironic nudge. To my oh, nice. Self. <laughs> nice. It, you know, one of the, the biggest questions we get is, how do I stick with this? Because I'm not motivated every day. Or people will say to me, you know, they see I'm a female with larger than usual muscles. And they're like, you must be so motivated. And it's such a misconception, right? I always like to say motivation is if you already have a, a campfire going and you pour some fuel on top just to watch it flame up, that's motivation. Like it's fun. It's a cute little show and it kicks things up a gear, but it's not what actually started that fire. And people te- tend to have this misconception that, well, I'm just not a motivated person. None of us are. I do this for a living. If I didn't look a certain way, my business would go under. And I would say of the six days a week that I go to the gym, I may be motivated three of those on a good week. It's not about motivation. It's about understanding that this is always a choice. You don't have to go. The world's not going to end if you don't track your food, if you don't get your workout in. And we know what that feels like. So today, which do I choose for myself? Then that consistency is what builds habits based on what we talked about neural connection. And when motivation shows up, awesome. You'll probably have a more fun workout that day. And when it doesn't, awesome. You'll still put the work in and you'll feel better after the fact. But relying on it as, as what keeps you going, that's, that's the Tinder date, right? I had 100 bad Tinder dates that led nowhere until, <laughs> until it didn't. Um, I don't even want to go there. Yeah. <laughs> we just, do a whole podcast I mean, episode I'm, of that Tinder. I'm 63 and it's even worse when you're 63. Because <laughs> it's like, what the heck is I'm this? Sure. I'm sure you have some horror stories. Oh, man. I'm sure you do too. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> but it's, I mean, as you get older, it's even worse because it's like, wait a minute, what's all this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've heard some horror stories from my dad who's doing the same. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, my. And, and, and at 63, it's even harder for me to keep five days a week, you know, at the gym. But I go, some days I don't, if I just go do a bike session with some kettlebells or just move. Is my theory when I get when you get to sixty three, it's just move. You know, it's like okay. I remember my dad at sixty three not being able to walk to the mailbox. So that's my motivator right there. Is 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 that's my and that picture in my brain saying, Dad, the mailbox is only less than a hundred yards. You can't even make it there. You know, so that's my motivation. And yeah, I love my I love my kettlebells, and not everybody loves kettlebells, but. 
I'm a kettlebell fanatic. I, it's just my gig. But uh, I want to go into uh, one thing in there. I really want to go into the diet part. And because uh, I like, but it's before we leave the mindset, is there anything I missed in the mindset that you'd like to pour into before we do, we'll talk about diets? I think just reiterating, you know, a lot of times I'll get asked, especially on social media, what what's your number one piece of advice for people? And it it really is understanding what we just talked about with the all in all out mindset that it it is not your fault that that's how most people are living because that's how this industry is designed and understanding that that's not how it actually is ever going to work becomes a huge switch that we can flick. And when we can start to fully understand that Trying to do this perfectly is what's holding you back. Embracing the suck, embracing living in the mess and the gray and good days and bad days. That's how people who actually live a healthy lifestyle, that's how they're doing it. It's not perfection. It's about getting back on and continuing on. Okay. You're right. I love the raise your vibration part too. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, we live, especially the last couple of years, we live in a society where everybody's like, walks around with a phone in their hand, looking down, don't talk to anybody, doesn't say hello or thank you. You know, it's it's all about, it, nobody's, I mean, we got to change this because, uh, yeah, we've been through hell for two and a half years or some sort of hell. I haven't, I kind of just lived my life and let everything else take its place. But a lot of people have got caught up in the, all the crap and the bullshit and the media and the news and all the negative stuff, I don't even turn my... The first thing that comes on in the morning for me is my Christian music and my stereo. And I, I and it stays on. I switch from... Christ, when I come home from the clinic, I switch from Christian music to what a, a assortment of music. You know, but I just can't turn... I just can't go there. So we need to raise, we need to raise our vibrations. We need to raise our vibrations within ourselves, but we also need to raise our vibrations with others and how we interact with others because cutting people down and, and saying negative things isn't going to help us change. Absolutely. So. Yeah. And to me, like we referenced this before, that's what this is about, right? Life is about your energy. And again, this has nothing to do with like woo woo feel good stuff. This comes down to science that when people talk about vibes, what they're talking about is the vibration that you put out. All Every living, breathing creature is putting out vibrations into the air. And science shows that like attracts like when it comes to vibrations. It's why sound attracts sound. It's the same thing with humans. So when we're walking around low energy, hanging on by a thread, feeling like crap about ourselves, of course, that's what we're attracting back. It's science. And when we step into our power and we're living with confidence and with energy and with health, we it is not a coincidence. We see women whose lives completely change on this journey with promotions at work and finding relationships because the, the literal vibrations you're putting out into the world become different and you start attracting that stuff back. To me, like, forget the muscles, forget the weight loss. This is what it's about. Well, it's, we're all, we're energy. Yep. 100%. We're energy as human beings. And, you know, we we vibrate just like everything else does. Yeah. You know, and it's just a part of life. Yeah. So, I think a lot of people think that's like woo-woo, but when you study it, right. that, that's that's quantum physics. That's science. That's what the world is, whether you believe it or not. Right. And right. It, it is what it is. It's a frequency. <laughs> We're all on a frequency. Yeah. And it's like uh, there's a song, what's a frequency, Kenneth? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's what this is about. We're on a frequency all together as human beings, and we need to maintain that. Absolutely. It's not about hate. Hate doesn't get us anywhere. Yeah. You know? 100%. So I'm going to get off that bandwagon. <laughs> and we're going to move in. So we're moving into the ho- holiday season and the winter months, and which usually attributes to weight gain, and f- at least for a majority of the country. Uh, like Arizona or Atlanta, we, we don't get as cold as the Midwest and the North or like New York or Michigan, where I'm from. But the weight, the, you know, the weight gain comes from people always bringing goofy ass treats into the restaurant or not from the restaurant, but into the work 
you know, like here's some cookies, you know. So we're getting in right. In my opinion, the diet is actually a four-letter word, which is actually, you know, and most diets are total bullshit, total and other bullshit. And most of the people that lose the weight gain it back. So I know because I live that. I mean, so we've so what? Let's talk about all the different some of the about some of the like one that always kills me is the ketogenic. Like let's let's just eat a lot of fat. Here, let's eat a pad of butter, you know. Or uh, I can eat all the bacon I want on this diet, you know. It's it's just not. First of all, nobody ever asks you, do you have a gallbladder? Right, <laughs> which I don't, so I can speak firsthand. Me too. That it doesn't work. <laughs> right. Well, you don't have a gallbladder, and you're putting fat in your body. I got news for you; it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you'll be going to the toilet a lot, <laughs> and it's not pretty there either. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about diets. Yeah. There's, there's so many on the market. There's so many different companies selling quick fate, quick weight loss. You know, so I want your opinion before. And then we're going to dive into what actually, in my mind, is the best and works for and yeah, it's just for sure. more sustainable. Well, one of the first um, lessons, for lack of a better word, that we like to show people, we do a little workshop where we show them why every diet is the same diet and it's never going to be sustainable. So if you were to make a list of every diet you could think of, keto, um, any kind of low carb, shake systems, point systems, frozen meal systems. If you were to write down the quote unquote rules of those diets, what you would find is that they're based off telling you what you can or can't eat, what you're allowed to eat, what you're not allowed to eat. And again, all of this goes back to basic human psychology. There's something in psychology called reactance. And reactance states that we as humans do not like to be told what we can or can't do. It's the reason why if I tell you, you saw this in my book, like think about anything you want, anything in the world, but do not think about a giant blue elephant. Where does your mind go, right? That's, it wants to go exactly where you tell it not to. So we go on these diets, like pick your diet, they're all the same. And we sit there and we say, I can't, I can't, I can't. I can only have this, I can't have this. And then we wonder why it's not gonna last, right? We beat ourselves up. I have no willpower. Why can't I stick with it? But when you understand this concept of reactance, it was never meant to last, right? And we could have a whole conversation about willpower. There've been scientific experiments to measure willpower where you might have more of it than I do, right? If we have a Navy SEAL neighbor, they probably have a hell of a lot more than we do, but it's still an exhaustible resource. You run out at some point. So again, we're going through life with horse blinders on saying, I can't have carbs. I can only eat these frozen meals. I can only drink these shakes. And then we say, why do I lack willpower? And the answer is because you're a human. So when we can understand that, we can understand whether you've tried five diets or 50,000 diets in your lifetime, you've really only tried different versions of one diet telling you what you're allowed or not allowed to eat. And the key to this, we call it flipping the formula, right? We've always said, once I lose the weight, then I'll start eating foods I actually enjoy. And for all the reasons we just talked about, that's never going to last. The key is we flip the formula. We say, how do I lose the weight while I'm eating the foods that I love? And that's the method that, that we teach within our program. Right. So. I don't know how far you want to dive into macros, but in my opinion, first of all, it's it's very it's you're better hiring somebody that's good at it. Just like at the gym, get a trainer. Don't do all the freaking homework on because if you Google shit, you're going to come up with a, a whole bunch of weird shit or good stuff, bad stuff, all all of it. So it's always best if you're going to do, and, and in my opinion. Macro counting macros is the best diet there is, and it's the most sustainable, and it allows you the donuts. Mm-hmm. You know? that's, that's the real winner. There is the donuts, <laughs> right? Well, I'm not a donut freak. I think if I had one food that I couldn't live without, that's not healthy at all, it's probably a bagel. You know, and that's not too bad. No, that's not bad at all. But, but I'm to not, your point, that. That's exactly right. You know, what, one of the things when we're doing that diet workshop, what we show people is I did an experiment on myself once where I went online, I Googled free online macro calculator. I put the same information into all three, my height, my weight, activity level goals. And the results were so wildly different 
One of them had me eating so few calories that with my lifestyle, I would have literally been in the hospital. One had me eating so many calories, I would have been gaining weight. Now, before, because I do this for a living, I knew the difference. I knew they weren't right. But if you're just dipping your toe into this world and you're like, I don't know what macros are, how do I learn my plan? Online calculators are one of the worst ways. Oh, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I'll get the, the brief summary of, of macros is this. If you take any food, so you go in your kitchen, grab a, a box of food and flip it over. On the back is a nutrition label. That nutrition label is going to give you a ton of information. Vitamin A, vitamin D, potassium. There are three nutrients of which our body needs the most. That's why we call them macronutrients because we need them the most. And those are your carbs, your fat, your protein. So when we're talking about macros, we're simply talking about your carbs, fat, protein. When you do what's called tracking macros, you figure out or better a coach figures out for you based on your life, your height, your activity level, your age, your weight, your goals, you figure out exactly how many grams of carbs, fat, and protein you need to eat each day for your body to live at optimal health. And from there, the beauty is you can eat whatever the hell you want. Of course, we want to make nutritious choices the majority of the time, but as long as you fit it within your personal macro plan, you're golden. So it because there's no restriction. That's the whole point of it is there's no more allowed, not allowed, can, can't foods. You're choosing the food you love. You're avoiding the food you don't love and you're hitting your goals. So it becomes this totally sustainable lifestyle instead of yet another restrictive diet. So where do sugars come into macros? That's a really good question. Sugar is a carb. So when you look at that nutrition label um, that I referenced before, under carbs, you'll see it's broken down. There's fiber, there's sugar, there's sugar alcohols. As long This goes into a bigger conversation about eating for weight loss versus eating healthy, right? A lot of times people say, well, you're losing weight, you must be eating healthy. That's not necessarily true. You could hit your macros eating nothing but sugar-filled, less nutritious foods, more processed foods, and you'd lose weight. But as we referenced before with the donut joke, you know, your body's going to shut down at some point because we're not talking about vitamins and minerals, which are your micronutrients. So when it comes to sugar, it's not something that I personally have our members track. And we do talk about the bigger picture here. We want to be making more nutritious choices that are less processed, higher in fiber, more vitamins and minerals. And this is the part that throws some people as a coach we still suggest you fit those more fun, less nutritious foods in now and then. Because allowing yourself that donut, that slice of pizza, that glass of wine, allowing it as part of your plan is going to keep you from, oh, it's Saturday. I got to get it all in now because who knows when the next time I'll have it is. We get out of this cave and binge cycle. Right. And wine, a glass of wine is not... (laughs) It's not one of those giant glasses that fit the whole bottle. (laughs) I, I had a client once, uh, it's just a quick story. I want to focus on you, but I had a client once and I said, because she was drinking wine. Like, she goes, I'm only having a glass a night. I'm like, so one day I'm like, okay, we're, you're, we're, we're not going, moving forward. The needle's not moving here. Yeah. I finally, I said, I said, can you show me a pic? Can you send me a picture of that glass? And I literally held the whole bottle. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. Okay. Oh, problem solved. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. Like one or two of something is not as bad as we usually think. But in the old mindset, we had broken our diet, right? We were now out or off. So it's like, oh, I had a slice of pizza. I've ruined it. Now I may as well binge and start again next Monday. But if you were to track it, a slice of pizza isn't terrible. You could easily fit it into your plan, make more nutritious choices the rest of the day, and keep losing weight. But it, it's that all-in, all-out mindset this always comes back to. And you hit on a key point. I'll, I'll get back into it Monday. Yes. Because most people, including myself, when I was back in the day, I would say, okay, I'll, I screwed up. It was Friday evening. I screwed up. I'm just going to spend the rest of the weekend binging. And I'll start the diet back on Monday. You can't do that. You know, yeah, you screwed up. Start. Stop. Okay, move on. It's a new day, you know. That's like breaking up with a girlfriend and saying, "Oh, I'm never gonna get somebody." You know what? That was yesterday. Let's move forward. 
Right, you know? right. Or you have a fight and it's like, well, right. we can't make up until Monday. Like, right. or you could talk about it in an hour and exactly. <laughs> get right oh, yeah. back to walk, it. Go for a walk and <laughs> exactly. come back and talk about it. And it really is interesting when when we see people start to track and they start to learn like, hey, I went for ice cream with my kids today and I fit in my macros. And we'll hear things like, I'm kicking myself for how many years I went off the rocker on a weekend because I had an ice cream cone. When now I'm seeing like, it wasn't as bad as I thought. I could have easily kept going with my goals, but it's just, it's that old mentality we got to get out of. Right. See, my my personal, so every, like two Sundays a month, I allow myself a pint of Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> Chunky monkey, I ate the whole pint. There you go. And I, I just know it's going to happen. And I fit it in and then I readjust, you know, and, and I know it's going to, you know, so it's, but it, you, you, when you don't allow yourself those guilty pleasures, you're going to fail. Yeah. You're going to cave. You're going to binge. You're going to, you're going to start the cycle all over again. All right. So I want to talk about total energy expenditure because this is, it's pretty much the first key to weight loss. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So I'll tell you some behind the scenes footage. Um, when I went to write my book, I was working with a book coach based out of London, and I really struggled with how to teach macros in a book format because the way we teach it inside our twelve week program is so personal. Um, a lot of there are a million macro coaches out there, and what a lot of them are doing, and I say this with authority because we now we have a program that teaches coaches how to do this correctly. But what a lot of coaches do is they use a macro formula and they pump out some numbers and they say, here's your macro goal. And the problem is that's not sustainable because if you come to me and you're only eating a tiny bit of protein each day, and I'm going to come to you and say, here, triple your protein intake, you're never going to stick with that. So the way we actually do macros within our program is very personal. We always meet the person where they are closer to how they're averaging right now and we slowly work with them to get toward those goal numbers. Now, when you're writing a book and you're not face-to-face with an individual and I can't say, hey, send me your five days of tracking your food, you know, my, my big question mark was, how do I teach this skill in a book? And the question my book coach posed to me was, if you were standing on a stage with 500,000 people in the audience and you had to explain how to dip your toe into the world of macros, how do you do it? And to me, the answer was the TDEE formula. So that's how we wrote it in the book. So I always like to put that out there because the the way that macros are introduced in terms of figuring out your plan in the book is a really good way to get started with it. As we talked about online calculators are crap, this is a really good place to start. And as you get more serious with it, this is, as you said, why a coach becomes so important to make sure it's really honed in and personalized for your goals. I I think you have to look and I we said this once before, but I think the big point is to look at the hiring somebody as that like yourself as as a a treat to yourself mm. because yeah, you could spend all day on the internet looking up macros and you're gonna end up very confused yeah. because yeah. it's confusing. And to get that number, the total daily energy expenditure is not easy either because we all move differently. Right. And it's hard. So, yeah. And in the long run, I mean, this is a big mindset shift for a lot of people, but there's a staggering statistic that says the average woman in America spends 17 years of her life and over $25,000 dieting and still never sees results. So to your point before, when you were talking about it's not an expense, it's an investment. The the options we tell people, because I'm not big on sugar coding, right? Like I'm a born and raised New Yorker. Your options are you can spend 17 years of your life, 25 grand, and still never see results, or you can invest in yourself literally once, go through something like our 12-week program, learn this skill, and literally never need need us again. We always joke, we have the worst sales pitch because you only need us once. Once you learn this skill, you have it for life. So where do you want to invest your money, right? Is it the slow trickle that's never going to work? Or is it face some fear, jump off the cliff, invest in yourself and be done with it for the rest of your life? I I agree 100%. I'm going to play the devil's advocate before we go a little bit because I'm from the functional medicine world where we deal with inflammation a lot in the bodies. And a lot of the, 
I mean, we, let's face it, we live in a society of toxins. I mean, we, we have, we slather toxins on our body and our skin's basically a giant mouth, you know? So whatever you put on your skin is absorbed into your body. So we put deodorant on, which most of the deodorants on the market are toxins. We put soap on our bodies that most of it is toxins. We put sunscreen on our bodies that most of it's toxic. And which all these, and then the food that we eat, or the, I should say shit food that we eat, and the poor lifestyle choices are all toxic. We breathe toxic air. We have toxic lights. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sugarcoating this, but I'm just, I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer either, but it's true. And so most of these things cause inflammation, which cause weight gain, but taking away these things also cause weight loss. So what are your thoughts on, you know, even in a good diet, the inflammation factor, what are your thoughts? Where does that come into play with your, and from your aspect as a, a fitness expert and a, a, a coach in diets and wellness? Yeah, I mean, everything you're saying is exactly true. We live in a society where, you know, I focus more on, on the food than the external things, but those are all extremely valid. And it is true that a lot of the food we're eating is so overly processed that we're not getting the vitamins and minerals that it claims to have, that it's causing inflammation in our body. Um, for me, I am such a huge fan of baby steps and momentum. Again, all of it comes down to human psychology. So a lot of times people come into this, this new healthy lifestyle and their plan is to do a major life overhaul. Like, okay, I'm just going to eat clean. I'm going to go to the gym five days a week. I'm going to do all the mindset work. I'm going to eliminate toxins. It's never going to last. Our, our brains are designed to fight against change. So too much of it at once is never going to work. But what we do encourage people is, look, let's get the skill of macro tracking locked in. Because even if you never do a workout, even if you don't pay attention to inflammation or dairy, which I'll talk about in a second, you will start to see progress. And because we're pleasure-seeking creatures, you're going to naturally be like, holy cow, I'm feeling better. What else can I do? What else can I do? So when we get to that point and they're seeing that momentum and they're starting to get healthier, now we can have deeper conversations. Um, I did this as an experiment of myself. I went vegan for three years just to see what would happen to the inflammation in my body. So now, and then I decided not to do it anymore, even though I felt incredible. I just, I love burgers and steaks, so I didn't stay with it. <laughs> but now I have that knowledge and I can tell people, listen, if you want to see what it feels like to cut out dairy, if you want to see what it feels like to cut out meat, it's no longer an I can't, I have to, I should, all the things that fight human nature. It's, I feel incredible from this journey. I wonder what would happen if. And when we take those steps from a place of curiosity, we're more apt to stick with them. We, we decide what works for us and what doesn't. And that's where we can really start to eliminate inflammation, make healthier choices. That's going to bleed into the deodorant we choose, the lotions we choose. But I think we need that momentum first from, from the way right. we approach nutrition to get that ball rolling. Right. I agree 100%. I mean, once you start seeing that change, it does motivate you. Yeah. And you start going, I want more, I want more, I want more. Well, like you said, because we're pleasure seekers as humans. Right. And that's you a know? big difference between I have to, or I should, or I can't. And when we do these major life overhauls, that that's why New Year's resolutions don't work. It's too much change all at once. When you start two months before New Year's and that ball is rolling, well, now New Year's Day, you've already got habits wired right. in. But it's it's that baby steps, the momentum that we need first. Yep, I agree. I agree. A hundred percent because it's, it's, you know, it's not easy. Anyway, I love your book. Thank you. And I, everybody needs to go to your website, which I'll put in the show notes, but tell the people where they can find you. Yeah. So our main website is called mindstrongfitness.com. That's where you can get a copy of, of the freebie that you mentioned. Uh, my book is called Becoming Mindstrong, The Truth About Health, Fitness, and the Bullshit That's Holding You Back. That's on both Amazon and Audible if you prefer audiobooks. And finally, if you're on Facebook, we have an amazing community. Um, it is women only, but if you search Mind Strong Women, you'll find us on there. Lastly, if you're listening to this, I assume you love podcasts. I do have my own podcast called Becoming Mind Strong as well. Yeah, it's, I've listened to a couple episodes while I'm prepping for this. Well, actually, because we were scheduled to do this on another date and I had a little accident. So I had to reschedule. 
And I'm sorry for that. But yeah, I listened to a couple episodes. It actually enabled me to listen to a couple episodes because oh, no. if, if, if you're anything, it, it, it's difficult. It's the people sitting behind this mic is just the easy part. <laughs> but prepping for the podcast is a yeah. lot. <laughs> you know, and a lot of work goes into make. I, like I said, this book will go in my library. Actually, I'm going to lend this book to somebody that's struggling when I go to the gym tonight because she's she's been struggling and I really don't. When I go and she wants to come in to see me about hormones and I'm I'm like, okay, well, we can talk hormones, but I want you, you need to fix some other things before even. I can give you all the, I can change your hormones all you want, but until you fix the, the basics, it's not yeah. going to, it's going to do nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. We actually bring a. Um, it's interesting that you said that, and that you're in this work. We bring a uh, a neuroscientist, Dr. Nicole Lavina, is the professor of um, neuroscience at Princeton, and her specialty is in the neuroscience of nutrition. And she does a workshop within our program all about hormones for women, what's normal and what's not in terms of changes. And just as you're saying, you know, so there, hormonal coaches in the fitness world are like the, all the rage right now. And so these women are going to them saying, "Fix my hormones." When that's backwards, like exactly as you're saying, we need to fix your nutrition first because that's going to balance out a lot of this. And from there, if you need to get some supplements, if you need extra support, there's ways to do it. But nutrition, I mean, it's the answer to everything. It always comes first. Right. And, uh, and I've, I've coached, I've got one of my clients now is actually a, a coach. She works at the gym. She teaches, she teaches classes. She teaches kickboxing classes. She's a total badass. And she started gaining weight after her third child, and she came to me and said, "Tom, I need your help." I said, "Well, I know you how to, I know how you, you eat healthy because I know I've known you for over ten years because she was part of my journey." Yeah, and uh, and it all boiled down to running some you know real numbers, not quote physician numbers. You know, I ran a full thyroid panel, and she was hypothyroid. Mm. You know, it's like okay, we need to fix that. Yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah, there is a fix, but food's always the most important part. Yes. So uh, one thing before we go that I ask all my listeners, or guests, not listeners, sorry about that, is if Rachel had 30 to 45 minutes to just chill out, which being in the online business, you don't very, very, <laughs> very rarely have, what would you, what band or artist or what would you listen to for 30 or 45 minutes? Oh, that's a really interesting question. So nowadays, I listen to more pop music. Because when I listen to music, I'm, I'm typically at the gym. So I throw on Pandora, Spotify. But my background before getting into fitness, I used to be a freelance jazz musician. So if I'm going to like lay in a hammock and sit in the sun and listen to music, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to some, uh, probably some Clifford Brown, my, my old school oh, nice. jazz. <laughs> what? You're old school jazz. Yeah, what instrument I, did you play? I played jazz trumpet. I was a freelance musician in New York oh, nice. for over 10 years, and I loved the bebop era. Like that, that was That's my jam. A, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love going to that. I mean, you're, well, you're from New York. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, there's the jazz Mecca. club on every corner. And, yes. and I miss those days. Oh, yeah. It's hard <laughs> to find jazz now. It is. It is. It, and I've gotten so far away from the scene that, you know, I, I don't play anymore. I don't. Right. I'm not, I'm not involved in the scene, but if I'm going to chill out, that's going to be my go-to. We used to have a couple of good jazz clubs here in Atlanta, but I think we're down to one now. And it's just sad because the, and the jazz station completely disappeared. You know, it's like, okay, wait a minute. This is the mainstay of music. I mean, Miles Davis, come on. You can't, how can you go wrong with, you know, and I do that every once in a while, throw some jazz on, never on the paddleboard will I throw jazz on, though. Usually it's, usually it's Dave Matthews, Bob Marley. My buddies all pick on me for Dave Matthews. Goes, Turn that shit off. I'm like, I love Dave Matthews. Come on, man. <laughs> Good music. I've seen a couple of his concerts. Good yeah. show. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. And oh, thank, thank you. This was a blast. Yeah. Thank you for sending me the copy of the book. I love this book. And uh, it's a very good book. I highly recommend anybody getting it, especially going into the... If you're on a diet now, I, I highly recommend getting it. If you're going on a diet or want to think about going on a diet or even changing your life, not even the diet part. Macros is a way to go. And this book teaches you how to do it relatively easy. But also, like we've said, hiring a coach 
is just like it's, it, it takes it all the guesswork out and you get to, and then you get it when you're done. It's a one-time investment. Usually some of us keep going back for more, you know, but you know, especially for females, you said all you can't, it's all yours is women, right? Yeah, we work in our main 12-week program. It's women only. Um, we do have some programs for men that are more self-paced. And then we have a coaching program for coaches that, okay. that teaches them our method. That, macro. macro, that teaches macros. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining in today with the Rebel Health Coach, Tom Underwood. And be sure to subscribe to the show so you can catch all the episodes. With desire and commitment, you can implement a lifestyle of wellness and fitness. For the support, encouragement, and tools you need to be successful, visit TomUnderwood.net.